0: Welcome back and thank you for listening to the latest episode of Across the Bifrost. Before Pat and I dive into Battle Realms, we want to shout out Discount Games Inc. and BlackgateGames.co.uk. Whether you're in the U.S. or the United Kingdoms, one of the sponsors of Across the AcrossTheBifrost.com can certainly help you out if your local game store doesn't have what you want or can't find what you need. Be sure to check out Discount Games Inc. if you're in the U.S. or BlackgateGames.co.uk if you're in the U.K. Also, please be sure to check out Across the AcrossTheBifrost.com. It's a one- wonderful collection of a bunch of different content creators, way more than just me talking and Pat. Uh, We have over two dozen different content creators on there. New pieces of content are going up every day. Please be sure to check out AcrossTheBifrost.com. All right, without any further ado, here's the intro music and our podcast about Pat's latest Battle Realms victory.
1: Somewhere across the Bifrost, way
0: Welcome Part back to the latest episode of Across the for I Us. My name is Sung Su, and I'll be joined in a moment by my co-host Pat Dunford. Today we're going to be talking about Battle Realms again. Pat was able to play in the recent One Day Battle Realms event and I'm excited to hear what happened. So without any further ado, Pat, how are you holding up? How are you doing?
2: I am doing good. I'm glad you're excited to hear how it happened because I'm excited to tell you, TT, um, I really, really
0: enjoyed playing Battle Realms. It was a blast. I'm excited to be regaled by your tales of victory and defeat. But first, let's take a moment and explain exactly what Battle Realms is. So about a month, month and a half ago, Atomic Mass Games released a couple alternative ways to play the games. And Battle Realms, for lack of a better word, is the pick-and-ban format.
2: Yeah, it is the format where you have uh, rosters of 15 characters, so five more than normal. You don't select tactics cards in your roster, and you select five of each crisis, so five extracts and five secures. Um, and then before the game begins, you have a slightly different method of selecting the crises, where one player, you each player gets one extract from both players' piles, and another gets one secure from both players' piles, and they pick one of those two. Uh, so it's much more random and broad the crisis selection. And then you go through a series of picks and bans to draft your team, and you'll end up with eight of your fifteen characters to choose from when you build
0: your squad. So, uh, hmm, where do we want to start with this? So, I guess how did you come across? How did you end up making your fifteen threat? Excuse me, your fifteen character roster for Battle Realms. Um, so.
2: The approach that I went with, and I'm far from an expert, right? This is the first time playing in the Battle Realm format. But the approach I went with was, um, I obviously, I identified 15 characters is quite a lot. Um, you can pretty much always take more than one affiliation when you're fi- you've you got 15 characters. Um, and I decided to go with two affiliations that had a lot of overlap. And I took a lot of affiliated characters. So I went for A-Force and Wakanda. Um In those two, I've got three characters that overlap, right? I've got Storm, Shuri, and Okoye, work for both affiliations. Um, And I took all of the Wakundans and a ton of A-Force characters with a few other characters who brought things that I thought were valuable um, that weren't covered by those two affiliations. So my unaffiliated options were Enchantress, Toad, MODOK, and uh, what was my last choice? Ghost Spider, of course. <laughs> ghost Spider, thank you. How could I forget Ghost Spider? Of course she makes it in. <laughs> um, so characters that I really like, um, but very few, right? So I had 11 affiliated options and four unaffiliated. Um, and the other thing that I tried to do is I tried to have um, a really broad range of threat values, but in particular, I, I wanted to have enough Threat values at two, three, and four, because that really helps with the pick and ban system, right? So I had three two-threat characters, and I wanted to make sure that I had
0: at least four three-threats and four four-threats. Yeah, I can see that. That makes that makes a that makes a ton of sense. How much time did you spend thinking about the excursors and uh, ex yeah making a board, axe <laughs> and excursors? So
2: honestly, I didn't think about the extracts and secures that much. And that's because you have to pick five, right? And there's only nine of each in the game. So rather than thinking about, and of course, your team is bigger and you don't have perfect choice over what models you're taking. So like when I normally make a roster, I think about what is my exact composition going to be on all of the different threat levels and crises, right? I can think, okay, if I win the priority and I get gamma wave at 15, what is my ideal 15? Well, you can't really think that way in Battle Realm because you don't, you're do not you not going to have that ideal fifteen threat of characters available to you. You have to be more flexible. And so because of that, I think crisis selection is less important than it is normally. That's not to say it's not important, but I don't worry about it as much. And because you have to take the majority of crises in the game, what I instead thought about was, which crises do I just not want to play? <laughs> and I personally decided for this format, I didn't want to play... Crises where there's a single valuable extract. So I eliminated Skrulls, Alien Ship, and Senators. And I didn't want to play a Secure There I have to roll to flip because I find those annoying. So I eliminated Mutant Madman, Deadly Meteors, and Spider Portals. And after that, I just had to pick one of each um,
0: to get rid of. Did uh, the threat values for the Extract and Secures come into your mind at all? Or I mean, like you said, you're kind of taking so many... Right now, it's not really a choice for Battle Realms.
2: Yeah, it didn't come into my mind. I think there's maybe something you can do where you plan it, but because you have to take so many and because you have so limited selection in how it actually pans out, I just didn't worry about it too much. You know, in a normal game, if you win priority, you have a two-thirds chance of getting the crisis you want. And that's just not the case in Battle Realm, right? Because only one of your five do, do you get to choose from. So you have a 20% chance, maybe slightly higher if your opponent also has that crisis in their selection. Um, So I just didn't worry about it. I just focused on making sure that my team had a broad selection of characters so that I could play at any threat level. And my plan was just to be flexible and make it so that whatever happened, I had a solid team that could
0: play to the crisis. And I guess it's worth noting that you are aware of the threat value before you start the drafting or recruiting process. The first thing you do is roll off a priority, pick the scenario, and then establish the threat value. So when you're, you're not going to draft, uh, I think you ended up with what? She-Hulk, Angela, She-Hulk, Angela, and Modok, if you know that you're going to play 15 or something like that. Or maybe you will. Uh, simply because you're, you're drafting to a target number when you go through the draft process.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So you're going to always have that in mind. And it's absolutely going to influence what you pick and what you ban from your opponent. Like, I mean, the the simplest, most obvious rule here is if the threat is very low, then you're more likely to value cheap characters. So you'll pick them more highly and ban them more highly. And if the threat is very high, you're more likely to value those high threat characters.
0: Yeah, so let's go into things you learned for the drafting process here. I have a couple things in my head, but I've only done a single game of Battle Realms. So what is the Pat Dunford cheat sheet for Battle Realms tips?
2: Okay, so, yeah, so I got a few I've got a few little rules that I don't think they're definitive, but they're my my first impressions for sure about things that I think are good. Firstly, I think my decision to have a lot of redundancy in my three and four cost characters was absolutely correct. Um, a lot of times when you go through the picking, the order of the first few picks is very important. Um, so to recap that for people, you pick one character that you're gonna take in your roster. then your opponent ban, well, they they pick it as well, and then they ban a character from your roster, All right? you ban one of theirs. then you pick two characters, and then after that they ban three of yours. So you pick one, they ban one, you pick two, they ban three. That start, is for me the most important aspect of the pick and ban and the one that most defines your roster. Um, and what it means is that you can kind of, as long as you have at least four affiliated characters, you can guarantee you're gonna play an affiliation, right? You can take the leader, and then they ban one of the characters and you pick the other two. But after you've after you've picked those like three core characters with one ban, where you have a lot of control, then comes their their banning of three and the banning of three is really impactful because they can see what you've picked they can see your first three characters and then they can scalpel out key choices to make your team weaker or to stop you making specific combinations or sometimes to make it so you can't even make the right threat value and this is where having the redundancy of three and four forecast characters is really important because if you have at least three sorry, at least four 3-cost and four 4-cost four characters, your opponent can't just ban three and remove that threat value from your roster. So you can ensure that you have good threat values, and that makes it much easier to make almost all of the threat values that you need.
0: And, I'm, and you're just using the counter of that, right, for your personal dismissing, for your banning cycle then, I assume?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like, So if I am banning from my opponent... Um, I will ban something especially valuable or important with my first pick. I'll see what their next pick of two is. And once they've got three characters, which will usually also broadcast their affiliation, I need to think very carefully about which three I ban, because that three ban is the most influential. And you can look at their three they've picked and you can think, okay, um, with these characters, they only have certain options that they can now take to make their threat value. So I'll use an example, Okay. Um, in the final round of the event, my opponent was playing single affiliation brotherhood. Okay. So he first picked Magneto. I banned Mystique. He immediately picked Sabretooth and Toad, right? So he has ensured that he can play his brotherhood affiliation and he has got 12 threat. Um, now this was a 17 threat game. So I knew that he now needed five more threats of characters, um, And five was a really awkward number for him, right? Because no combination of three and four threat characters are going to add him up to five. So I was able to scalpel out his two-cost characters and his five-cost character, and he wasn't able to neatly then pick five threat that he wanted to round out his team. He instead had to then pick Taskmaster, use that to replace Sabretooth, and pick other characters um, to bring him back up to the 17th threat he needed.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting way to go about it. And and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think that single affiliation rosters that aren't huge are... I, I feel like you're just at a disadvantage trying to single brother, yes, right?
2: definitely. I think the fewer affiliated characters you have, the more disadvantaged you are. And I also think having more leaders is advantageous because it gives you more options. So... Um, one of the things that I learned is having high-value characters that overlap multiple affiliations is great because it sets you up for a really strong um, starting three characters. So um, you basically, as far as I see it, you have a couple of options for how you do the starting the starting pick of how you get your starting three, and that's the core of your team, and that will set you off on the right footing. And that, combined with the banning of three, is the most important part of, of the draft. Um, you can, if you really want to play a specific affiliation, you can just pick the leader of that affiliation, but then you run into the problem that your opponent sees the affiliation you want to play and they can then ban the best affiliated character for that team that isn't the leader, right? As per my banning Mystique, when you've picked Magneto example. Yeah. So you are guaranteeing that you're playing a certain affiliation, but you're also expecting to lose your best character. Which is fine, but maybe not ideal. Now, what you can do if you have really powerful multi-affiliated characters and you're willing to play different affiliations, you can go another route. Which is you can your first pick can be a character that is affiliated to multiple affiliations. You can take. So, using the example from my roster, let's say I want to pick uh, either my Wakanda half or my A Force half because that was my roster, Wakanda A Force. I can pick say, a Koye, who I really want to have in either roster, and then my opponent gets to ban one of my characters, right? I am inviting them to either ban She-Hulk or Black Panther because then they eliminate my option to play one of my two affiliations. But if I'm happy to play either affiliation, I am then picking two char- the leader and a third character from that affiliation. And so, for example, I pick a Koye, My opponent banned She-Hulk, and I pick Black Panther and Shuri. And suddenly I have the best three characters for my affiliation. So if you have overlapping affiliated characters, you have a choice between guaranteeing an affiliation um, or letting your opponent pick your affiliation, but guaranteeing the best starting three characters for it.
0: So what are the rosters, what are the affiliations you think can bring a compelling single affiliation roster to the table? So I'm I'm gonna use my beloved Avengers for an example, and and we'll get into them a little more maybe in the ACS, maybe in this episode. Like, I don't feel great first picking Captain America if I'm trying to single affiliation Avengers, right?
2: I don't know. I think Avengers are actually fine because I think the deeper your roster of affiliated characters the less punishing it is to lose the quote-unquote best one right so if you pick captain america first and you absolutely have to pick captain america first if you're going single affiliation avengers right because otherwise i'm just going to ban him and you're not going to have a leader so you pick captain america first then i am going to ban one of your avengers but i don't think there is a best avenger right i think there are lots of great Avengers, but I can't say, oh, Avengers is awful if they don't get to take Hawkeye or Vision or Black Panther or Thor, etc. right? All those characters are great, but not one of them defines the affiliation. So I think Avengers is a great example where you could just take Cap, let your opponent ban something and then pick the great characters that you want to play, especially with the crisis in mind, because of course you know what crisis you're playing as you are building your roster in this way. Um, And that works really well for Avengers because they have such a deep bench of three and four cost characters. So you are not going to run into a problem where you're going to struggle to make threat values or struggle to be affiliated.
0: Okay, so then does Cabal run into... So Cabal then I think would have a larger issue, right? Because if you're going to take Red Skull, then MODOK is kind of the clear ban?
2: Yeah, so I think that's an interesting point, right? Because if if you really like playing MODOK and Red Skull together then that is a problem because if you really want to play Cabal and you really want MODOK, you actually can't have your cake and eat it too. You have to choose. But if you're willing to be flexible on which affiliation you play, you can still make that kind of pick, right? So the example here would be um, if I really want MODOK, I also include Kingpin. Kingpin is a Cabal character, but he's also a criminal syndicate, right? And he's a leader. So I can first pick MODOK. And if you ban Red Skull, I can take Kingpin plus, say, Bullseye. And suddenly I'm playing, my Cabal list is now playing Criminal Syndicate and I'm using my Cabal characters, but I've still got an affiliation and a leadership.
0: Hmm. Okay. That makes a ton of sense. So using what you've learned from this event, would you still take the same roster next time?
2: No, I would definitely make some changes. Um, So I think what I would do is I would identify key powerful characters that I want to have access to, regardless of what affiliation I play. Now, I don't think this is a strategy for everyone because I'm somebody that plays all the affiliations some amount, right? And I'm happy to just play anything. And I know a lot of people don't feel that way. So this strategy probably doesn't work for for everyone out there. But for me, I, I'm happy to play any affiliation. I would identify those characters that I think are really powerful and really impactful for specific crises. And I would make sure that I had multiple affiliations to take them in. So, like, some examples to consider. Uh, Mystique is a powerful and popular character, right? I can take her in Brotherhood or Cabal. Enchantress, superb character I might always want to play in a given crisis. Well, then I want to be taking Cabal and Asgard, yeah? Valkyrie, amazing character. I want to be taking some combination of Asgard, A-Force, Defenders, and so on and so on. You You can make this, like, overlapping network of characters for most of the really powerful defining characters in the game not all of them because some of them are only in one affiliation but for an awful lot and the more of that overlap you have the more options you have for really strong starts in the draft pick because um you can then decide do i want to stick to a specific affiliation because i think it's going to be the best given my opponent's roster and the crisis or do i want to start with a character who i think is going to be the best and then build one of my affiliations based on what my opponent bans. Um, And so with that in mind, I would pick lots of powerful characters and their leaders, and you don't necessarily need a really deep bench of affiliated characters in this way, because you are picking three affiliated characters based on the affiliations your opponent allows, and then you don't need any more after that. So your opponent can't really hurt you by banning any as long as you're willing to go no more than five character wide.
0: Okay. That makes sense. I can definitely, I can, I I understand where you're coming from there. So, uh, Hmm. So,
2: yeah, so as long as, I mean, one thing that can trip you up here is if you still have to obey the guideline of having enough three and four threat characters and twos, right? So I would still want to take like a bunch of threes, a bunch of fours and at least two twos, but ideally more. Um, And it might be that there's a limit to how much you can actually fit in at that point. But I would be probably, the way I would start the next battle realm, is I would pick the unaffiliated characters I really want to play with. And then I would build my roster around that. So taking it, moving away from the um, Wakanda A-Force example, moving it into the realm of like the bad guys, I might, for example, pick Modok and Enchantress and Mystique and then say, okay, I want to be building a Cabal, Criminal, Syndicate, Brotherhood roster. And as long as I've got those three leaders and those three characters and a few other good affiliated options, I can always have a really powerful core for any one of those three teams.
0: Yeah, okay, I, I can see that. that. That makes sense. I And definitely, you have more experience. When I was making my roster, which I guess we'll talk about in the ACS, I was trying to find powerful characters that double dipped, like you said. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, and then which ones of these can kind of synergize together? And you're just, it sounds like you're just taking that almost a step further, right?
2: Yeah, and kind of guaranteeing that you have the core of your team sorted. Now, the reason you still need the redundancy in the other points is because even with this strategy, you have the core of your team set, but your opponent can totally mess with what you take after that. And if you have a good spread of threats, they probably can't stop you making threat value, but they can kind of dictate who your filler characters are, right? So um, I might guarantee that I have the best three characters for Cabal, in my opinion, right? But let's say I need to make six threat value. They might then ban all my fours uh, that are left because I've taken Red Skull and I don't know who else. and And I have to... Finish my threat by taking a pair of threes, or they might ban my remaining threes and I have to finish my threat by taking a four and a two. So they will kind of dictate how I finish my team, but I will be dictating the core affiliated characters that are very powerful and synergistic.
0: All right. So this entire process, we've we've talked a lot about it. How long, what was the pregame ceremony? How much time did this add on to your games? Did you find, Pat?
2: Uh, hardly any time at all actually i know it sounds complicated and it can sound a bit intimidating but because you do it piece by piece and you're not making that many decisions at any given time each decision is quite fast and as the banning and picking speeds up the decisions become more obvious and less consequential so um usually the first character you pick is a pretty easy choice because you probably have that in mind as you're building your rosters anyway um and the most important decisions around about the first couple of picks and bans, right? Like the, the pick two, the band three. Um, And after you've made those choices, it goes pretty quick again. So I think on average, it took between five and 10 minutes um, for us to do the bands and picks. And um, we never came close to running out of time in any
0: round. Awesome. That's definitely good to hear for the future prospects of this format. So do you have the eight that you ended up with for each round of the event, Pat?
2: You know, I wish I had recorded that, (laughs) but I actually don't. What I can say, though, is um, I think the teams worked out really interestingly because they but basically they ended up as being slightly different takes or twists on conventional good teams. Because you can dictate that you're going to have a strong core for a team, but you can't pick exactly what you take to finish it off. So in my first round, I ended up with an aggressive damage-dealing Wakandan team, right? A Wakandan team that um, did not have Shuri, right? Um, But had Killmonger and had Angela and was playing a much more aggressive damage-oriented game plan. So that was pretty cool. Um, In um, my next round, I had an A-Force team, but without Angela. Angela was one of my preferred characters for A-Force. And actually what happened, I was playing against a player playing Asgard. And we, because of the crises, um, which I believe was Cosmic Cubes, we both looked at each other's Angela and thought, eh, we don't really want Angela to go and steal the middle cube scot-free, right? We wanna force, force our opponent to have to do something to get the middle. And so I banned my opponent's Angela, and then they did exactly the same thing to me. Um, so I played an A-Force roster without Angela that was using Storm for drop-off, and sorry, for <laughs> special delivery. And that was absolutely fine. Um, and then in the final round, I played... Oh, and that as uh, that A-Force team also used Black Panther. And Black Panther is not a character who I normally take in my A-Force teams. Um, but he was great in A-Force. Uh, Giving him an extra power before he activated with the A-Force leadership so that he could pounce was really, really good on several turns of the game. And now that I've tried that, I will probably take Black Panther in my A-Force teams more often because he's already in my dual affiliation rosters. Um, So that kind of experience was really great. And then my third game was a similar kind of twist where I was playing Wakanda, once again an aggressive version because I had Killmonger and no Shuri and I had Captain Marvel. Right. It was kind of like a blast from the past (laughs) where I had um, a classic Captain Marvel Wakandan team like you might have seen in um, January or February last year. Um, And it did just fine. Right. It did. It did real good. Um, Captain Marvel was pretty strong. And of course, my opponent's team was also not completely optimized and she was more than able to pull her weight, even in an affiliation that wasn't especially well suited to her.
0: No, that's good to hear and again congrats on the win. You can check out all both, excuse me, both of the battles, uh, Battle Realm winning rosters on across the byfrost.com. You can look for the winning rosters tab right up top. So Shane uh Ivins is the other one or that won the Battle Realms event, right? Do you want to take a minute and look at his roster pet? Yeah, sounds good. He was playing Guardians of the Galaxy. And technically A Force it looks like. Um
2: well, mm-hmm. a force without a leader, but basically Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> so, um, yeah, his only leader is Star Lord, and his he's playing Angela, Black Widow, Drax the Destroyer, Gamora, Groot, Nebula, Okoye, Punisher, Rocket Raccoon, Ronan, Shuri, Star Lord, Toad, Valkyrie, and Wong. So lots of cheap characters, lots of Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, yeah, super lord the ground. Yeah. I mean, he's he's doing something similar to me, which is he's got lots of redundancy in threat levels, but he wants to go very wide. So he's taken six two-threat characters, which I think is very interesting.
0: Yeah, that's it's it's a ton. Do you think he was first picking Star-Lord? Like, how, how valuable do you think he was counting the winging it tokens? So I know, I, I spoke to him about it,
2: and I know he mentioned that he played some of his rounds unaffiliated. So I don't think he was always first picking Star-Lord um i think you can absolutely first pick star lord get a guardian band pick two more guardians and go from there um i think if you want to really go with a lot of characters though in this format you're probably accepting that sometimes you're going to be unaffiliated just because all of those unaffiliated twos take up so much room right and um when your opponent is going to ban three uh, they can s- take away a lot of your affiliated options and you just won't necessarily have the number of affiliated characters you need to have like six or seven
0: characters on the table. So when I look down this roster, I, I see a couple of characters that I would consider for first pick and first ban. And the ones that jump out to me are some combination of Shuri, Angela, and Valkyrie. Is that where you end mm-hmm. up with as well, Pat?
2: Yeah, I think that is probably the place to start. You look at the crisis and you decide if Shuri... Angela or Valkyrie are going to be very influential on the crisis and if you think any of them are then you get rid of them so like Shuri on Gamma Wave for example Angela on certain extracts um, and maybe Valkyrie
0: um, if you don't think either of the others are especially important and then after that you end up with a really weird situation of like I don't feel great banning any of these like it's, it's such a it's a motley assortment of uh, crew members right
2: yeah, it's a lot of redundancy, right, in what is selected. Um, I think if um, if he doesn't pick some number of the characters we just mentioned, then you ban the rest of those in a lot of circumstances. But Absolutely. otherwise, maybe you go after affiliated guardians um, or maybe you just try and remove a bunch of the twos to stop the wide strategy.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good thing to evaluate is how well do you think you'll be able to deal with a super wide team And maybe you try to mitigate that as much as possible. Um, Hitting Nebula or Kroyer, I I could see that having a lot of rocket, obviously a lot of power in hitting out those characters.
1: Yeah,
2: and bear in mind that while you're doing this, he is also going to be banning some of your characters. And so if you see this kind of roster and you're like, oh, six two-threat characters, wow. Um, Some of your characters might go up in value because of that, right? And some of your, especially because you know the crisis, right? So you might say, okay, We've ended up with a crisis where we're going to be pushed together, like, say, Deadly Meteors or Demons Downtown or whatever. Um, So maybe, like, the Vision on my roster, his value goes way up, but because he can hit a bunch of characters with a beam. But at the same time, if you don't first pick Vision, then he's going to get banned a lot higher, right? Um, So it can be harder to deal with this kind of skew than in a traditional game.
0: Yeah, no, I, I can see that. That makes a ton of sense. I'm obviously congrats, Shane, if you're listening to the podcast. I think it's a really interesting roster. It's definitely not where my brain would have ended up. Uh, it would have taken a lot of dojos for me to be like, you know what? I'm going to take six two threat characters. But I like it. And I think it's I think it's a really interesting way to go about it.
2: Yeah, it's really cool. I like it too. Um, so there was a couple of other things that I took away from Battle Whelm, If you're interested to hear them, I am. Cool. So. Um, one of the things that I really liked about the format was the tactics cards. So the way tactics cards work is you don't put them in your roster. You simply pick five tactics cards from the entire collection. Um, after your roster is made when you're building your team, right? So your, your selection is the entire game. Um, and I thought that was great. The reason I really liked it is because so often there's really good tactics cards that you can't take because they don't make the really high bar of the eight in your roster. And that's usually not because they're bad, but because they're a little bit too corner case. And you need to take cards that you can play in every game because you don't have enough spare spots, right? Like if you're playing two affiliations in your roster, which is very common, and you take one or two affiliated cards for each, and maybe a character-specific card, like all of your other cards need to be universally applicable so that you can always play five relevant and powerful cards. And I think that's why cards like Medpack are so popular, because no matter what, Medpack is always playable and good, right? I don't think Medpack is the best card in the game, but it's by far and away the most popular card. And I think it's because for this reason, right? It's never a bad pick. You're always happy with it. But in Battle Realm, you're not restrained by having this arbitrary kind of filter that you have to apply first. And you don't have to take cards that are universally applicable. So there's loads and loads of cards which are great, but have very specific uses. And you can choose to take them when you know that use is going to be available, right? You know the crisis you're playing. You know the eight cards, uh, eight characters your opponent's picking from and the eight characters you can choose. And then you can take the cards that matter. So. A couple of examples of this that came up in the game. Um, When I had a brawly Wakandan team playing on um, Demons downtown, I picked Vibranium Shielding, which is a really good affiliated card that doesn't get much love and very rarely makes it into rosters just because um, I think it's hard to justify over some of the more... um, more specific, uh, sorry, more general uses. But like, I know that I'm in a situation where my roster is very um, aggressive and the crisis, everyone is bunched up and close together and my opponent is also going to be aggressive. And so being able to pick a card where I put an area um, bubble, so to say, of damage reduction over my entire team on Demons Downtown was excellent. It was probably the best card of my five in that
0: game. And I never would have had the option
2: of playing it in a normal game.
0: I think that's a good one. I think when I was looking at Shane's roster, I actually really like Crew of the Milano and We Are Groot for those cards that sometimes are a little too niche to, again, make the eight, but I think could be very powerful if you know what you're going into, especially if yep. you already ended up with a super wide Guardians roster. We Are Groot can have such a tremendous effect. We talked about how powerful Medpack is.
2: Yeah, really, really good, right? Yeah. Um, and once again, you can pick We Are Groot specifically when you know you're going to be quite close together, right? So if you're playing that ride team on like Gamma Wave, We Are Groot is great, and then you don't feel bad at all when you're playing something like Extremist consoles because you just—it's not even taking up a slot, right? You just pick something else instead.
0: Yeah, We Are um, Groot is a huge range for anyone that hasn't looked at it in a while, but he's—he's he's got a big base and it's range four. Yeah, I
2: just yeah, you're right. Like you can hit a
0: big chunk of the table. So maybe I'm being unfair,
2: but I usually I think usually like the problem is it's hard to, if he's on a point. It's hard to hit the other points on extremists. It's why I don't like it on that crisis. But you're right. No, you can I definitely agree with
0: you there. It, it's it's a large yeah. bubble, is what I'm willing to say. If you're willing to take a move action from him off the point, you can hit a lot mm-hmm. of things.
2: Yeah. And there's also like a ton of cards that are really good in these narrow circumstances that you can just take because you know it's coming up, right? Like you can take things like uh, Seven Sons of Cinnabus with Doctor Strange, knowing that it is a crisis where it matters. Um, You can take um, a bunch of character specific cards, knowing, hey, I'm playing this character, right? (laughs) So I don't have to worry that like Wolverine is taking up um three tactics cards right with like exceptional healing plus um no matter the cost plus rapid x program if i want to take all three i can just take them and it it doesn't take three of my eight in my roster building i can just do that if i want right um it's really cool to have those options and i think battle realm gives a lot of room for creative selection of tactics cards and unconventional tactics as a
0: result of those yeah, obviously we both agree that's fantastic. You see, that's one of the things we ran into in vibranium Heist, right? We're just like yeah. changing the game a little bit. You really open up some of the tactics cards that come out of the woodwork. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think it's it's a fun addition. It's it's another interesting way to get some of the tactics cards off the shelf or out of the deck box and onto the table.
2: Yeah, really cool. So I really like that about the format. More variety in tactics cards was great. And then I think my final takeaways, I think crisis in general is less important. As I mentioned, Uh, it's much more random and you have less fine control over the characters you're taking. So what that means is you just need a team that can handle anything and you don't specifically build your fine-tuned team to maximize the crisis effect. Um, I think that's a pro and a con, depending on what you like about the game. But I thought it was interesting that the crisis was less important. And I know recently people have been critical about things like Hired Muscle with particular Extract Crisis. And if if that is something you don't like, well, Battle Realm is a way to avoid that in a lot of games, right? And worst case scenario, right, you can both take Hired Muscle if you want it <laughs> um, or even agree not to use it. Um, and then I think because of the fact that you don't have this perfect control over characters or crises, in general, I think some of the synergies are less powerful, right? You just are not going to have so many really good overlapping synergies in what your characters are doing and what they're doing on the crisis. And you're playing more kind of, I don't know, stripped back kind of classic MCP. It felt to me more like playing games from six to eight months ago um, compared to now where the powerful teams have a lot of really strong combinations of like character A plus B plus tactics card plus crisis. And it's much harder to assemble those combinations on Battle Realm.
0: Yeah, yeah I think it's... Um, I think you hit the nail on the head before, where, like, is that something you want to get away from, or is that maybe the reason that you love MCP, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, different people are, are attracted to different things. Um, mm-hmm. And and I love that Atomic Mass Games is exploring additional ways to play, right? And I could see it being cool. I mean, Norbert's already, I'm sure, planning some gauntlet tournament, right, where, like, day one you play battle realms day two we're playing a normal game and day three we're playing the draft format whose name currently eludes me oh man people are gonna make fun of me what is the name of that format uh oh uh arena right yep so i i think it's a welcome addition i'm excited for the dr norbert triathlon so to speak of marvel crisis protocol at your next convention and we're excited to see what you guys are coming up with for Battle Realms. So uh, we hope you enjoyed this a little bit off the beaten path, but we wanted to give a little more time and spotlight to battle realms is definitely a lot of tactics, a lot of depth into it. Um, the strike better podcast has done some great content on it as well. If you want some more podcasts or some more content about it and, you know, be on the lookout for the next event on TTS or, you know, as the world starts to open up again, hopefully uh, at your local game store. So patrons in the after the credit scene, Pat and I are actually going to go through some picking and banning, I think. And we'll mm-hmm. see how horrible I do in that. And we want to thank each and every one of you for listening. Thank you all so much. Be sure to check out across the Bifrost.com or patreon.com slash across the bifrost. So cheers, everyone. Until next time, happy gaming.
1: Somewhere across the bifrost way. Where- In a lullaby Somewhere Across the bifrost Skies are blue And the dreams That you dare to dream Really do come true